hello, Grace Point. How are you doing today? That was an in, inspiring response. Glad that you are here. Glad that you are watching online. Just wanted to give you uh, an update of our worship leader, uh, Nash Rayburn. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been quite the haul having in pretty close proximity two major back surgeries. And uh, so this one, you know, is about a six-week recovery. He's about halfway through that, just a little over halfway. And uh, finally, finally received the, the first positive text of update of the pain starting to subside. And so please continue to pray for him. He was really hoping, just keep this between us, all right. He was really hoping to lead worship today. Um, and I just said, I think you need to readjust your expectations. <laughs> um, and so probably in March, uh, we, we're going to see him. But he's so encouraged, finally the pain is starting to, to subside. So keep praying for him if you would. Well, today is part two of a three-part series called This Is What We Do. Because of what he has done, this is what we do. And it's all about being generous givers because God is a generous God and all the things that he does for us and he loves us, he provides for us, he forgives us, he saves us, he's prepared a, a place for us in heaven. I mean, all, there's so many things that, that because of what God has done, this is what we do. And, and, and when we are generous, uh, God blesses. When, when we are generous, generous, other people get blessed. When we are generous, op doors are open, problems are solved, and, and things happen to advance the, the kingdom of God. This is what we do. Now, let, let me just remind you, since we started this last week, um, if you were not here with us this past week, if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, if you're just a good spouse, and they've been wanting you to come, and you, you come to church, but you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, and you're not a follower yet. Maybe you're, you're here in the room as a friend, or even, a, even a, as a child, or a teenager, or watching online. If you are not a follower of Jesus, just relax. Breathe in, breathe out. This doesn't apply to you. Uh, but if you're a follower of Jesus, this is not optional. This is not a flip the coin, and um, am I going to obey God in this important area of my life? This is not optional for followers. But again, if you're not a follower, don't worry. Uh, relax. But you know what? If you're not a follower, this series will probably help you understand why followers of Jesus are the most generous people in the entire globe. That's why hospitals are started. That's why orphanages are founded. That's why mission trips happen. Medical missions trips happen is because, because of what Christ has done, this is what we do, and we give back. That, that, this series will probably help you understand that a little bit better. So last week, here's what the main point is, the foundational truth of the series is this. Putting God first perfectly positions us for God's blessing. Putting God first. This is not easy. This is a challenge. There's so many other things that are important. There's so many other things that requires our time, even our finances. And we, if we're not careful, we put a bunch of things before God. But if we do what Scripture says and place God first, then God's blessings will result from that choice. And last, last Sunday we gave, I think the third or fourth time, um, we gave a three-month tithe challenge. We talked about putting God first and the, the ten, first 10%. That's what tithe means, 10%. That goes to God um, before we start spending and paying for rent and mortgage and all that. And uh, so we gave a three-month ch challenge 
that uh, you obey God in this area, and after three months you don't see God working in, in your life, um, we will refund 100% of what you've tithed to that point. And, and I'm been, I was encouraged by how many family units said we are going to take this challenge. Talked to a few of you who said, I, I, I feel God wants me to trust him, but I'm scared. This is scary. And I'm like, I get that. I get that. Um, but be prepared to watch God. And you see God like never before. Be prepared for your faith muscles to be stretched and grow. Now, I purposely, I strategically did not bring up one ounce of information regarding our Horizon Initiative. Because next week, those of you call Grace Point Church home, it's our chance to, to turn in for the next year a Horizon Initiative financial challenge. And I didn't want to bring it up next week. Because this series is the foundation for all sorts of financial decisions. That we make financial decisions all the time about all kinds of things. So I purposely didn't bring it up. But if you were here a couple weeks ago, actually the, the first Sunday in February, we gave you an update. This Horizon Initiative is a five-year journey. We finished one year. And there's a lot of things in the Horizon uh, Initiative that's in this booklet, and they're on the, the, they're on the table in the, in the lobby, that says all the goals that we had. One of the goals is the financial uh, challenge to completely remodel um, our children and, and youth areas. Uh, we are right on the verge, right there, right? We're right there still, Bob? Okay, I mean, we're like one person ahead of us, one building project ahead of us of the, of the building, um, you know, commission to sign off on all of our, our permits. And then uh, demo day happens, okay? I've been begging to be a part of that, but they won't let me. Um, but anyways, that's, that's happening. And so this, this, this card is our chance. If you're, if, you're, if you're new to Grace Point, please in, investigate this, determine what God would want you to give. If you're, you've already committed last year, maybe God wants a different number, there's a chance to for this next year. Or maybe you were here and part of our family and didn't jump in, it's your time to jump, jump in as well. The reason why I bring this up is what I'm going to talk about today will help you process and pray through this card and ask God, God, what do you want us to give? So again, what I'm teaching today will help you process and pray through this card. Go ahead and take uh, your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 6. If you have a copy of God's Word or a Bible app, Mark chapter 6. Um, now, now, last Sunday, I asked you some questions, and I said, don't answer. Let's just think about this. I'm going to ask you a question now, and I want you to respond by raising your hand. I'm, I'm going to raise my hand. Okay, just to let you know. And you need to be honest, because you're in church, and lightning can go through these walls. Okay, I'm just, just to let you know. Here's the question. How many of you really enjoy having money to buy stuff? Raise your hand. Okay, I've got my hand up. If you don't have your hand up, you, you weren't awake with the question, or you need an encounter with Jesus, all right? Having money is not a sin. Buying stuff is not a sin, if you can afford it. 
If you can't afford it, then that's not, not being a good steward, all right? Having money is not the problem. Buying stuff is not the problem. And God understands that that's part of life on human earth, uh, human earth, on planet earth for humans. God understands that. And that's why there's over 2,000 verses in God's word that talk about how do we do with buying things and buying stuff. Because God knows. In and of itself, it couldn't, it's not a sin unless you're so consumed with money and you gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have more, more, more. That's the love of money that is the cause of all evil, scripture says. God, but God understands it, it, what it does in our life. That's why all, the, all these verses, because God, God knows the number one competition between God and us and our hearts is money and stuff. So to have it in the right perspective and the right balance, it actually makes buying stuff more enjoyable when you understand you're in line with, with God. And so that's why we're talking about this because everywhere we turn, Every channel that you watch, every commercial is asking for money. So God's word tells us what to do about that. So this, that's what the series is all about. So we have three daughters. Um, our middle, middle daughter, Holly, uh, she's our introvert, our quiet one. They're the scary ones. You got to watch out for those quiet ones. And when Holly was two years old, my brother and his family lived at the time in Sacramento area. They came up and they had their oldest son, who Garrett, who was the same age as Holly. And so while we're uh, finishing up the meal, enjoying the meal, talking, having adult conversations, you know, the kids went into this area, and the, the toy bin uh, was, was there, and they got to play with toys. So we're talking, they're playing, and I noticed that Holly is playing with a toy, and then she sees her cousin Garrett, or she would say Galewit, reach into the toy bin and pull up a pink, hard plastic toy. A toy she hadn't touched in months. And that little two-year-old with a sin nature that she got from her mother. Um, just kidding, her dad too. Holly dropped her toy, marched over to Garrett, ripped the toy out of Garrett's hands and then smashed it on top of his head. He starts crying and she says two words. That's mine. Does your, does your kids ever say that? Yeah, they have a sin nature like our kids do. That's mine. That mentality is everywhere when it comes to money and stuff. That God is not the supplier. That's not God's money. It's mine. And with that mentality, you're going you're to experience a cycle of scarcity because you have the wrong mindset. Here's a cycle of scarcity we talked about last week. We, we don't acknowledge that God is supplying. We think, I am the supplier because I work and I earn a paycheck. And so with this mindset that it's mine the first thing we do is we consume it. We spend it. Spend it for the, you know, rent and, and the bills that we need to pay, but we, we spend it all over the place. We, we, we just manage it the way we want to. Basically, we consume, and then we lack. We don't have enough, and then we fear because we don't have enough, and the end of the month comes, and because we still want to buy things and go out to eat, we just 
swipe it on a credit card and we consume some more and then we lack and we fear and this is how people live. With the mindset, you know what? My problems would go away if I just made a little bit more money. It's not going to change that. It's not going to change that because you have the wrong mentality. Does it matter if you're a minute, you make minimum, minimum wage? It doesn't matter. We're like, oh, Pastor Barry, you don't understand. I'm an E1. All right, the government doesn't pay us anything, which you're right. Um, or it doesn't matter. You could be the highest ranking officer in Kitsap County with a salary to go with it. You could be a business owner, and you could be a successful business owner and still have a scarcity cycle of I just, I just need a little bit more. And if I just had a little bit more, then I'll be okay. And you'll never get there. All right, for your notes, all my happy note takers. Here's central point. Generosity begins in the heart, not the wallet. Generosity begins in the heart, not the wallet. Again, with the wrong mindset, you're thinking, I want to be generous. I want to give more. In fact, I, I, I want to begin tithing, but I can't afford it. But if I would make more, then, then I would be generous. Nope. Because generosity is not about a wallet condition, it's a heart condition. It's not about a bank uh, you know, situation, not about a salary. It's about a heart. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so the passage we're going to read today and walk through is in Mark chapter 6. Jesus is having more and more people by the thousand show up to his, uh, whatever he is and whatever he's teaching and all the miracles. And, and the show is growing in size and thousands and thousands. And so they, they leave the thousand. They, they said, we need to get away. We need to get alone. You know, we need a, a people break. They get into their 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 boats, and they're going uh, up across the Sea of Galilee, and the crowds see where they're going, and thousands of them just walk along the seashore to then meet up wherever Jesus is going to be next. The disciples are tired, and I personally believe they're frankly irritated at the crowd, that the crowd is still following them. This is where we pick up. Chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus had a different response. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, meaning after he had been teaching a long time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Interesting question, or actually statement that Jesus makes. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat, which they recoiled. And they said to him, that would take more than a half of a year's wages, meaning we, we don't have that kind of money. That's a lot of money, Jesus, to feed all of them. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Here's Jesus' question. How many loaves do you have? What do you have? He asked. Go and see. 
And when they found out, they said, five, meaning loaves, and two fish. In their mind, case closed, send them away. There's too many people in the thousands and thousands. Case closed. We don't have enough. We're not even close. It's interesting that their attitude was like, send them away. Let them go buy something to eat. But Jesus focused on you give them something to eat. The disciples then focused with a scarcity mindset. Um, are we supposed to spend that much? That's a lot of money. Jesus, you, you don't understand. The needs are greater than the resources. It's too much. We don't have enough. Jesus zeroed in. What do you have? Go and see. What do you have? See, scarcity says, I don't have enough. Abundance asks, what do I have? You see, with, without Jesus, they didn't have enough. Impossible. With Jesus, they had more than they needed. That applies to our lives. Without Jesus, you will never have enough to satisfy your desires and your needs. With Jesus, not only a relationship with Jesus, but obedience with Jesus, with Jesus you'll always have more than enough. There's a big difference. Big difference. Generosity begins in the heart. God's not really concerned about the wallet. He's not. He's always concerned about the heart. Now the Apostle Paul, when he is writing to the church uh, at Corinth, very wealthy area, city, uh, very selfish, very sinful, very much, you look at, read the, the first and second books of uh, Corinthians, it's very, very much painting the picture of the American church culture that we're going to unpack in the spring. But uh, so Paul gives an example in this whole area of giving, and he gives an example of the Macedonian believers and the phrase that Paul uses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is absolutely fascinating and brilliant. A lot of play on words, a lot of contrast. He says this, in the midst of a very severe trial, there, the Macedonian believers, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, logically, we would say, okay, this is a misprint, meaning they were so overwhelming filled with joy because they were overwhelming filled with, with money. They gave rich generosity. Uh-uh. See, they, they had overwhelming joy. That's an that's a example of the condition of their hearts. And they had extreme poverty, Poverty that even in the challenging economy that we have right now, we have first world problems. They had extreme poverty, but their joy with their extreme poverty welled up. I mean, I, we could not help. We want to give, and they gave rich generosity. That's the contrast. 
couple verses later, Paul then challenges those living in Corinth. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift, the financial gift, is acceptable to God according to what one, what? Has, not according to what one does not have. This is where we focus. Well, I would love to give more. I would love to bless others. I would love to help others. But I don't have enough. So we focus on what we don't have, and God goes, no, you have it all wrong. First of all, if the willingness is there, that is a heart condition. I truly want to bless others. I truly want to give. God goes, that's acceptable. Based upon what you have, not what you don't have. This is a heart-revealing question. Scarcity says, I don't have enough. Abundance asks the question, well, what do I have? What has God supplied? Again, you won't even ask that question if you think everything's yours and you are the supplier. But if you understand biblically, and there's tons of verses, that all wealth, even salaries and everything, all gifts come from God. He supplies our needs. He is Jehovah Jireh. Then you say, okay, from what God has supplied, now what do I have? God, how can I use what I have to be a generous giver? Generous giver. There was a, a single mom with two little kids struggling financially, and the mom had, had not slept in um, a bed for four years because her two kids were sleeping. She chose to put the two, two kids in her bed. So she slept on the couch for four years. I, with my back problems, I'm like, that just hurts me just to hear about that. And she also didn't have a kitchen table, she didn't have chairs. So when, when meals came, they ate on the floor or on the couch, her bed. <laughs> well, in her church, there was a similar series like this taught in the whole principle of scarcity cycle and abundance generosity cycle. And so somehow the, her need, her real need, uh, got, gotten out. And I think it was like an empty nest couple went home and they asked a question, well, what do we have? And they said, you know what? We have a guest room that is never used. And in that guest room is a bed that is never used. I think God wants us to bless a single mom. So they raised a truck to come and they were loading up. And without knowing that there was also a kitchen table need, they said, you know what? This, we never use this. We eat you know, somewhere else. We'll never use Let's just take this table and these four chairs over. So they go to this apartment, they load it all in, the single mom is emotional, over with gratitude as they, she put, a bed, put in a bed in the kitchen table. She's going to sleep in a bed for the first time in four years. For the first time, they're going to sit at the table as a family. And as everybody's ready to leave, this single parent mom comes up to the couple and says this, I, I'm so grateful, you know, I am looking forward to the day to be in a financial situation where I can be a blessing to other people. And this couple gently and graciously said, oh no, honey, you just need to look at what you do have and let God 
bless other people, whether it's things, whether it's stuff, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's words of encouragement. There's always something that you have that you can give to be a blessing to others. So they leave. So she's marinated on this. Well, what do I have? I mean, really, she didn't have anything. Well, as she looked in the corner of her apartment was a rocking chair she used when her kids were babies. It's not been used. And then she was like, oh, my neighbor just had a baby. She goes over, gets the rocking chair, knocks on the door and says, I want to bless you with a rocking chair since you just had a baby. And she was like, she was blessed. She got it. It doesn't matter you know, well, I'm only a teenager, you know. Well, when I get older, when I make real money, <laughs> um, then I'll give. No, 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 what do you have? What, what has God given you? How can you still be a blessing to someone else? That's a generous heart. What do I have and how can I be a blessing to other people? Well, again, I'm just making minimum wage or I, I'm just low on the Navy totem pole pay-wise and I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. No, no, no. We're always going to be with a scarcity mindset. Well, I just don't have enough. But if I had more, then I'd be generous. No, generosity begins in your heart with the willingness, that Paul said, to be a blessing. You have that heart. God will open. Oh, I have provided lots of things that you can use to be a blessing to others. That's generosity. That is because of what God has done. This is, this is what I do. This is what we do. And you can model it for your friends, your kids, your grandkids. Generosity begins in the heart. Now let's continue the story. Chapter 6, verse 39. Then Jesus directed them all to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he, Jesus, gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to all the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Now this last part is just for the disciples. Teaching point. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, there were women and children there. In that culture, they didn't count them. But if you count women and children, we're probably looking at 10,000 people or more. All fed till they were full. And I think, I believe that Jesus, just to illustrate to his disciples, there were 12 disciples and 12 basketful left for them. Now, if you've seen The Chosen, they, they showed this in a different way. Well, they just showed just Peter having a problem. Oh, I think they all had a problem. Send them away, Jesus. They're, I'm tired. They're tired. Can you just send them away? Let them buy what they need. And Jesus says, you buy it. Whoa, we can't afford that. Well, what do you have? God modeled to them with me, you will have more than you need. With me, there's always enough. There's always enough. God is a God of abundance. I am grateful that God is not a God of scarcity. 
Aren't you glad that God loves you abundantly? Some of you are like, I don't know if I believe that. Well, he does. Why? Because God knows when you have horrible days, bad hair days, if you're bald, bad bald days, and your attitude sucks, and you're, you're mad and you're angry. God sees all the filth that you cover up with people that you work with and, and, and that know you. God sees you at your worst, and guess what? He still loves you. He still loves me. Why? Because God is a God of abundance. His love abounds. His mercy is new every morning. I'm glad God's up in heaven and go, no, you're out of mercy. You're done. I'm giving you judgment. No, God says, my mercy is new every morning. Why? He's an abundant giver. His grace is abundance. His forgiveness is abundant. Past sins, present sins, sins, future sins. When we trust in Jesus, he washes them completely away. And his forgetfulness is abundance. God chooses to forget our sins abundantly. He saves us abundantly. He is preparing a place for us that our abundance brains will explode when we get to heaven. God is a God of abundance, not scarcity. He even said, Jesus even said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you Life, and Jesus didn't stop there. I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Is, is walking with Jesus hard? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Yes, incredibly so, as you learn more about him. Now I'm going to close with looking back at Ma Malachi 3 that we talked about last week. The context is like God is saying, you guys are robbing from me. Oh, we're robbing from you, God, because you're not bringing the whole tithe. So he challenges them, bring the whole tithe, the whole 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Bring it on. Let me show you something. Says the Lord, let me remind you, Lord Almighty. There are tons of times in the Old Testament where it says the Lord. The Lord said this. The, Thus saith the, the Lord. He has chose in this situation, in any situation in the Old Testament where, where the odds were impossible, he always dropped his title, Lord Almighty. Almighty, I can do anything. He was, I want you to see something. I want you to experience something. I want you to learn by firsthand experience something. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see, watch experience, if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much, what's that word? Blessing. Because he's an abundant giver. So much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, there's only a couple times in Scripture where God chooses to use the word floodgates of heaven. The first time was with the flood of Noah. That was a floodgate of judgment, where the, under, the, the water under you know, the rivers, the fountains of the deep burst forth during the flood, and the floodgates of heaven brought down rain. And it was an abundant discipline of incredible wickedness. The second time is right here. It's an it's a abundant blessing. It's the floodgates of heaven, not the floodgates of Wall Street. Not the floodgates of winning the lottery. Not the floodgates of your bank. God says, I'm going to bless you with the floodgates of heaven because I want to bless you 
for trusting me with a tenth and watch, watch me work. It's this cycles, we have a choice. Here's the comparison. A cycle of scarcity that we think it's all ours, it's my money. We consume it, then we lack, then we fear. Versus God supplying, the first thing we do is we give, and then God multiplies, and then our, our faith grows. Our faith muscles grow. Here, here's for your notes that I, I, I missed last service and I almost missed today. For your notes, God multiplies what he blesses. God is not cheap with blessing. He multiplies what, he's, what he blesses. And blessings always follow obedience. Always, 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 always. How bad do you want God's blessing in your life? Kenny and I were talking. Uh, there are so many conversations this week that she said, you know, it's so good to, to teach last week that the blessings of God are not necessarily finances, although we've experienced those all through our faith journey. But she said, God has blessed us abundantly in so many areas of our life because of our obedience. Not because we're these great, perfect people. We're not. We're flawed sinners. But our hearts is always willing. We want to obey. We want to follow. We want to trust. And with that comes blessings. Our, our youngest daughter is getting married in the end of June. And last night we saw the picture slideshow that's going to be showed at the rehearsal dinner. We laughed, we cried, and we kept saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. God multiplies what he blesses. So generosity begins in the heart, not the wallet. And a scarcity mindset is, uh, well, I don't have enough. Abundance asks the question, well, what do I have? What God has supplied, well, what do I have? How can I be a blessing with what I do have? So with that, I want to remind you that next Sunday, if this is your church, Grace Point's your home, we're going to encourage all of us to say, okay, God, um, this is what we have, and this is what you want. you want us to give for this next year, above and beyond, above and beyond our tithe, to be a blessing to our children and teenagers in this round of um, overhaul, <laughs> remodeling. Let me just walk you through what Candy and I did last year. Is we said, okay, God, what do you have? What, 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 what do we have from you? So we pulled out our budgets. We started about 10 years ago managing every dollar. And when we started managing every dollar, we realized how much we were wasting and we were, oh, okay, God's not going to bless us if we're wasting. And we started managing every dollar, and it, God's blessings just started really, really happening. So we, so we looked at what do we have for my salary, what do we have from Candy's work salary. And we had our budget, and we said, okay, well, this is what we have. And so, well, this is what we can do without, and that money will go toward Horizon. Uh, this is what we're going to cut that, and, and the excess goes to Horizon, and, and this is that. And we're like, what do we have? And, and cut and shrink and, and sacrifice. We're not going to have that. We're not going to be able to do that. And we came up with a number based upon what we already have, 
And then we said, okay, now, God, we want to, above that, we want, a, we want a faith component. We want to know what you want us to give that we don't have, but you will supply. And we say, we said, we promise, we commit, when you provide extra, it's going to a horizon. It's going to a horizon. And I even said, and I told Candy, I said, well, for this number, this faith number to work, um, God would have to give me some houses to paint. I've done that for many, many years, especially when our daughters decided to have um, um, knee surgeries and chiropractors, and I had to pay for all that. And so I'm like, I, I would be willing. I would probably take a couple houses, you know, at least a house every summer, the next two, next two years, and I'd be willing to do the work and then give the rest. God didn't give me one house to paint this year. God doubled the faith number that we set out. He said, let me show you something. Here's more. Here's twice as much that we were so excited to give to Horizon because we saw God at work. So what does God want you, have, want you to do based upon what you already have from God and also a faith component. Pray about it. Ask God if, if you got it right. It's his money. Okay, God, we're going to give this above and beyond. And when you're desperate for God, you're like, we're going to pray more. Because, God, you have bills to pay. We, we, kids need clothes. I got school supplies. I got, I got these needs. God goes, I know that. Now let me watch. I want you to watch, watch me work. So you can see that I am the Lord Almighty. So next Sunday, be prepared. At the, at the end of the service, we'll finish with a song. We'll pass some baskets. You'll put it in. It's between, you know, it's really what God wants you to do. And I'm teaching this, like I said, next, next week. It, it's not because we're, we're, we're hurting and, and we, we're doing this series because Grace Point needs your money. No, we don't. God's going to take care of us. God's given us plenty of generous givers who understand the kingdom. But we want you to have a part in, in seeing God the way, in ways you've never seen him before. That will transfer your, transform your life, but also transition and, and transfer it in another place, another church down the road, when you start getting into the right biblical habit of honoring God with what he has supplied. It will change your life. It will change your family forever. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for all that you do, all that you give. Thank you for being a God of abundance, not a God of scarcity. And so, Lord, we're not here to become wealthy, and that's, you know, a measure of our faith. No, by faith, we give because we want to be a blessing. This is what we do because of what you've done. So, Lord, I pray that those who are hearing this teaching this, this biblical principles about giving for the first time. I'm sure they're, they're freaking out. They're, they're scared. And those who have heard it and applied it, they've been cheering this on because they know what others are missing. And God, I also pray for those in the middle who have heard this before, but their fear has hindered them from obeying. Lord, help them to put you first and trust you with the rest and then watch you work in their lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, we say, amen.
Amen.